Here are the topics of this edition of the Cigar Dave Show. Number one, effeminate beta second gentleman Doug Emhoff speaks out against toxic masculinity. Number two, the FBI and Department of Energy confirm what we all knew three years ago. The Wuhan virus leak from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Call me shocked. Number three, the FUDA attacking flavored cigars. Number four, Nashville enemies of pleasure enact bar smoking ban. And Volkswagen proves once a Nazi bastard, always a Nazi bastard. The Cigar Dave Show is presented by Gurkha, the world's finest cigars, including the new Gurkha Pure Evil. Blended for cigar connoisseurs, able to handle a full-flavored cigar loaded with strength, power, and richness. Don't let the name fool you. Gurkha Pure Evil is pure cigar pleasure. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. And by Davidoff of Geneva and their Avo portfolio of cigars, including the Avo Heritage. Crafted through centuries of traditions, Avo Heritage was developed for the cigar connoisseur seeking a fuller-bodied cigar with strength, complexity, and impeccable smoothness. Savor every note of the spice-laden Avo Heritage. Available at DavidoffGeneva.com. This is the Cigar Dave Show with the General. Long-ash greetings and salutations, a long-ash snappy salute, Semper Delictatio, always pleasure, long live the Alpha, make masculinity great again, screw the enemies of pleasure, make America great again, save America, it is your global five-star general, Alpha Male and Chief Cigar Dave, the general, front and center from Command Center Alpha, Humidor 1A in the Cigar City of Tampa, Florida, USA, as always, we are jammed with no lack of program material to get to. First up, let's talk about probably the one of the most effeminate men in the United States of America. I'm speaking of Mr. Kamala Harris, second gentleman Doug Emhoff. He may be the second gentleman, but he is the first wussified beta gentleman, as far as I'm concerned. In an interview earlier this week, with Jonathan Capehart of MSNBC, who, by the way, nobody will ever accuse him of being an absolute 100% USDA masculine male, quite effeminate as well, as you will hear during this segment of the interview. Doug Emhoff interviewed by Jonathan Capehart, and there was a section where Capehart of, I said MSNBC, but it's really BSDNC, brings up the topic of toxic masculinity. Let's take a listen. Has being second gentleman changed your own view of perceived gender roles or what it means to be a man? Oof, that's, this is something I've, I've thought about a lot and something I've spoken about a lot. There's too much of toxicity, it, it, masculine toxicity out there. And there, we've kind of confused what it means to be a man, what it means to be masculine, where you've got this trope out there that you've got to be tough and you know, angry and, and lash out to be strong. I just, just the opposite. Nobody, and I mean nobody, will ever accuse second gentleman, absolute wussified beta, Douglas Emhoff, of being masculine. He personifies the wussified effeminate male. In fact, some would even say, I would even question, is he really straight? 
Not that there's anything wrong with being gay. I'm just simply saying when you listen to him, his mannerisms, his action, he just, to me, exudes effeminateness. Now, I wonder when he talks about, he's spoken uh, a lot about toxic masculinity out there and that we're confused what it means to be a man, what it means to be masculine. You may be confused, Dougie. I'm not confused. I have 100% USDA testosterone running through my veins. I know exactly what it means to be masculine. I know exactly what it means to be an alpha. You don't. My listeners, all of you that are listening, you all know what being masculine is all about. Take charge, running the show, being an alpha. That doesn't mean being a Neanderthal. We treat our dames properly. We're in charge. Women like that. They don't want a wussified beta like Douglas Emhoff. Emhoff is the kind of, and I use the term loosely, man. I'm sure when he called Kamala, he said, Hi, Kamala. What would you like to do tonight? Instead of saying, Kamala, this is Douglas Emhoff. I will pick you up at 8 o'clock. We will be dining at Morton's for a lovely steak dinner. Oh, I'm sorry. You said you're a vegan? Well, that's too bad. We're eating at Morton's anyway. And then afterwards, we'll go to this fine little jazz club. So be dressed appropriately. I will be at your doorstep at 8 p.m. Be ready. That's what a woman wants. They don't want a wussified beta. And I've spoken about this over and over again. And there is no such thing as toxic masculinity. There may be toxic behavior, but that is not exclusive to men. There are plenty of women that exude toxic behavior. Now, I wonder when we, when Douglas Emhoff talks about toxic masculinity, when a firefighter enters a burning building, risking his life to save a family, is that toxic masculinity? When American troops storm the beaches of Normandy or raise the flag at Iwo Jima after brutal fighting, during World War II, was that toxic masculinity as they saved the world from evil, from the Nazis, from Imperial Japan? When American men voluntarily get in their boats, their canoes, their kayaks during floods and hurricanes to rescue trapped people in their flooded homes, is that toxic masculinity? Let us not confuse toxic masculinity with toxic behavior. The examples I gave you, the firefighter entering a building, are American troops fighting to save the world, risking their own lives, being shot at by the Nazi Hun bastards. When American men get in their boats, risk their own lives to save trapped Americans during a hurricane, during floods, those aren't examples of toxic masculinity. Those are examples of alpha brave masculinity. And that is what the world is missing. This calling out of supposed toxic masculinity is nothing but a device, a ploy to emasculate American males. It's been going on over the last 40, 50 years, but especially the last 15 years. This is nothing more when Douglas Emhoff, absolute wussified beta, effeminate beta, brings up toxic masculinity that 
men need to, we're confused about what it means to be a man. No, we're not. We know exactly what it means to be a man. Douglas Emhoff is part of the feminist movement that would like to emasculate every male. Why? Because he has been emasculated. Somewhere along the line, Douglas Emhoff was emasculated. Many American boys over the last 20 years being emasculated. And there are a variety of reasons for that. We've talked about it in the past, whether it's coming from a single-parent household where there's a tremendous amount of feminine direction and not enough masculine direction, where boys growing up don't have the father figure, don't have a male mentor to teach them how to be alpha males, train them to be alpha males, guide them to be alpha males. Effeminate second gentleman Doug Emhoff goes on to say that strength is how you show your love for people. Strength is how you are for people and how you have their back and how you stick up for other people and pushing up and out against bullies. Every time I can speak out against this toxicity, we're seeing it with our young people, we're seeing it in our discourse and politics, in the media you're seeing it as it relates to so many of the issues we're pushing back on. So I think it's a problem and I'm going to continue to use this platform every time I get to so I can speak out against this toxic masculinity that's out there. Now, when he says he's seeing it in young people, I would tell you, I would put forward the hypothesis that younger people, especially younger boys, don't have the male role models, don't have the male direction to teach them to be alpha males. When we see boys today that don't get their way, and go up and grab a gun and start shooting because they are feeling bullied or they feel out of place or, or isolated, introverted, it is because they don't have the proper male role model. Emhoff says, we see it in our discourse and politics. I beg your pardon, Dougie. The Democrats, the enemy of America Democrats, the taxocrats, the socialists, the enemy of America communists, they are the ones that have started this discourse in politics. And when people see Donald Trump, who's an alpha, saying, I'm not going to be a wussified beta like Willard Mittens Romney or John McCain and roll over when the lib media attack me or when the Dems attack me, you got President Trump that said, I'm going to kick you back in the balls 10 times harder and then I'm going to stick my boot up your tuchus, right up your ass. There's a huge difference. There's nothing wrong with fighting back. It seems that only the Democrats are able to engage in dirty politics, get in the sandbox and play in the mud. But when a Republican or Rhino would do that, they'd be called out. And what would happen? The John McCain's, the George W. Bush's, the Willard Mittens Romney would all retreat like good wussified betas. And President Trump, is the first Republican president in many, many years to say, you attack me, I'm going right back. I'm going to play your own game, but I'm going to play it 10 times harder. And then he talks about in the media, we're seeing it as it relates to so many of the issues we're pushing back on. What issues are they pushing back on? I'll tell you what the issues the Democrats are pushing back on. Freedom of speech. They don't want us to have freedom of speech. And when they say, we don't want, no, no, we're not going after freedom of speech. We're going, we need moderation of speech. Let me translate. That is code for, we want 
to eliminate Republicans' right to freedom of speech, to MAGAs, to America Firsters, to Libertarians, Independents that have conservative leanings, we want to restrict their freedom of speech. So we're not going to fall for the bullshit that Douglas Emhoff is spewing. There is no such thing as toxic masculinity. There may be toxic behavior, but it runs on both sides of the male and female species. It is not just exclusive to men. And I use the example all the time. These feminists, these Democrat socialist commies love to engage in the toxic masculinity talk until such time they need saving from their flooded home. They need saving from their burning house. Or they need saving from a criminal who is trying to attack them and violently hurt any of the people being attacked. But yet when somebody, a a bystander, comes in with his gun and says, get out of the way or I'm going to shoot you, they don't complain about toxic masculinity. It's only in the course when they want to emasculate men. None of you are emasculated. None of you are wussified betas. None of you are pussies. None of you are feel guilty about being an alpha male. Douglas Emhoff clearly never been an alpha male in his life. I don't know if that goes back to his childhood. He's effeminate. He's wussified. He's beta. Who knows? Maybe he's in the closet. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But for him to call out toxic masculinity, please, let's differentiate between toxic behavior. And that can be both from men and women. But there is no such thing as toxic masculinity. You and I are proud alpha males, and we have many females that love to listen. They want alphas. They don't want wussified effeminate betas. They're sick of it. All my female friends tell me the same thing. I'm tired of these effeminate beta males. I want a strong alpha male. I want someone that is going to take charge. That turns me on. I want someone that is going to make the plans. I don't want to play mommy all the time. They want a man that is independent, take charge, alpha. You and I fit that description. Douglas Emhoff, and unfortunately millions, or as Bernard Sanders would say, billions and billions and zillions of Americans that wussified emasculate betas. They've got big problems. There's nothing I could do about it. It's nothing to do with taxation. They're just wussified betas. So even Bernie Sanders would say the same thing. American females crave masculine alpha males. Douglas Emhoff, you can go all you want talking about toxic masculinity. The fact is, we are going to push back because we've had absolutely enough of it. It is done. Now, I'll tell you another thing that's done. And we knew it was done three years ago, right around, I would say, April of 2020, when the Wuhan virus pandemic hit the world. It didn't take us long to figure out that a level four biolab engaged in bioweapons research in Wuhan, China, somehow an altered virus escaped from the lab. Now, whether it was intentional or whether it was accidental, 
That remains to be seen, but nonetheless, the Chinese Communist Party knew damn well that the Wuhan virus was a product of gain-of-function research, that Tony Fauci, the esteemed, revered, most brilliant virologist in the country at the NIH, we heard ad infinitum, oh, he's so such a genius, he's been there forever, he, we can trust Fauci. He lied to Congress. He should be found in contempt. He knew that therapeutic drugs worked, but he held them back. He is responsible for the deaths of millions of Americans. He should be tried for crimes against humanity, and if found guilty, should suffer the punishment, which I think, if I'm not mistaken, is still execution. He is responsible for millions. He funded, not directly, but through the, through the EcoHealth Alliance in New York, he funded gain-of-function research. And it's still being done today. And I just heard the White House, Karine Jean-Pierre, a few days ago, real brilliant, call her the, uh, uh, the, the notebook, because everything, if it's not written in a notebook, she can't answer the question. She was asked about gain-of-function. Oh, the president believes it's still important. Yes, there are risks, but we have to prevent the next pandemic. The only reason this pandemic occurred, the first one in, what, 102 years, was because man interfered with nature. They grabbed these bat viruses. They altered them. They injected the spike protein to make them far more contagious and dangerous to humans. We're seeing it still being done around the world. In Ukraine, what was there, 20-some-odd biolabs that the U.S. tried to keep hidden until the Republicans in the House and Senate caught on to that? So we knew three years ago it wasn't a wet market. Fauci tried to push that bullshit narrative. Oh, it was from a civet or a, or a cat at a wet market. It was from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. There was a reason the Chinese Communist Party, within a matter of weeks, I believe it was September of 2019, probably when they first discovered what was going on, it was not accidental or coincidental that the entire lab was shut down for four or five days. And we know that because there were no cell traffic or cell, cell phone pings around that area. It was shut down. The head of the Wuhan Institute of Virology was terminated, probably permanently whacked, replaced by a member of the Chinese Communist Party military, the PLA, the People's Liberation Army. That is not coincidental. And then China lied about it. They kept it quiet. And when doctors exposed it in China, what happened? Either the doctors died because they caught it, or they were sent away, signed, a, a sworn to sign agreements that they would not mention it. They would keep everything confidential, or they would be shuttled to a death camp or a concentration camp. That's fact. And initially, the Wuhan Institute of Virology provided the National Institutes of Health here in Washington, D.C. with the DNA, the entire DNA sequence of the Wuhan virus. And then a short time thereafter, somebody from the Wuhan Institute of Virology calls the NIH and says, we need you to delete that. We need you to erase it. And like a schmuck, 
The people at the NIH do that instead of saying, not so fast. We're going to keep everything erased. And then China doesn't provide assistance. They allow this virus to spread to the rest of the world. It was released in China, and their attitude was, if we're going to suffer, so is the rest of the world. They allowed it to spread unabated. And what did we hear when President Trump said, we want to shut down travel from China? The president's being xenophobic. The president's being racist. There's no reason for this. We had Nancy Pelosi marching around in Chinatown in San Francisco saying everybody should visit. Everything is fine. We had uh, a big bird de Blasio, mayor of New York at the time, running around in Chinatown saying everybody should eat here. Everything is fine. There's no problem. And then what happened? A few weeks later, there was a huge problem. Then they tried to blame it on Trump. And then when... President Trump and many other people put two and two together, people with a brain, unlike the Democrats who are dipshit Dems that have no brains. People with a brain said, hey, let's put two and two together here. This, this came from Wuhan, supposedly at a wet market four miles from the Wuhan Institute of Virology, and they knew early on China was covering this up. They were being secretive. Of course it came from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And early on, every network, CNN, BSDNC, the Washington Compost, the New York Slimes, every libstream media newspaper and media outlet called it the Wuhan virus. And then when China named it a politically correct name not to be associated with China, COVID-19, everybody followed suit. They couldn't cover for China enough. China is our enemy. If we haven't figured it out after they released a virus knowingly to the rest of the world that killed millions, destroyed economies around the world, people's livelihoods. If we haven't figured out China's the enemy by now, then shame on us. And President Trump was right. He was absolutely correct saying we need to bring our supply chains back to the United States, become less dependent on China. We need to make sure our drugs are manufactured in the United States. We need to make sure protective gear is manufactured in the United States. We need to make sure we are less reliant on China for all the crap that they sell us. There is no difference between Xi Jinping of China and Adolf Hitler of Nazi Germany. No difference. They both want to their country, they wanted their respective countries to control and rule the world. It's that simple. Hitler wanted it, and so does Xi Jinping. Talk to any expert, they'll tell you that. He wants world domination. They want to destroy the United States, and people say, they're not going to destroy us. We have millions and millions, billions in trade. Maybe so, but they're sitting on trillions of cash while we are shuffling 120, 130 billion to Ukraine of money we don't have because we've got deficits and 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 uh, a massive, massive debt that will never be re- be repaid back in any of our lifetimes. But keep printing money, keep causing inflation to rise, keep sending billions and billions, as Bernard Sanders would say, over to Ukraine. China is our enemy. The FBI, Department of Energy, now they have woken up. And you still have denialists. And I remember when I said this early on, I had people saying, oh, you're being xenophobic. Oh, this is conspiracy theory. I said, it's not a conspiracy theory. This is the absolute truth. 
We know this. When we said a number of years ago, social media targeting conservatives. Oh, it's a conspiracy theory. Magically, that conspiracy theory has turned out to be true. President Kennedy was assassinated by the CIA. Oh, it's a conspiracy theory. We know that's to be true now. Whenever you hear the libs, the dems, the social, oh, it's a conspiracy theory, always do more research. And it is amazing how they covered up now the libstream media saying, well, the FBI and DOE, Department of Energy, are now confirming this. It's amazing how late they are to the game. It is amazing that none of them see that China is a threat. I don't li- and this has nothing to do with the Chinese people, not with the Chinese people in the United States who came to escape communist China, not with the 1.3 billion Chinese people. They don't want to live under communist rule. These are the 1 million people that rule the Chinese Communist Party, specifically about 1,000 at the top that really run the show, starting with Xi Jinping. They are bad news. We have coddled China. We have allowed China to become a giant behemoth. They are now encroaching in Central America, South America with naval bases. They are the problem. But yet, when all of us three years ago said, hey, it's a no-brainer, it is no question that the Chinese Wuhan virus came from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And everybody railed, oh, it's conspiracy theory. You're racist. You are, there's, this is promoting Asian violence. No such thing. I know of nobody that said, hey, this virus came from Wuhan, the Wuhan Institute of Virology in China. And oh, by the way, go attack a Chinese person. Go into your local Chinese restaurant and attack them and rob them. Not one person said that. Again, this is what the left does. They can they create these contrived, blatant lies. Once again, we are proven correct. We are also being proven correct that therapeutics, cheap, available therapeutics, could have, inst- could have with a short time, could have prevented this pandemic from exploding. If every American citizen was given ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, azithromycin, Z-Pak, correction, Zithromax, Z-Pak, and methylprednisolone, along with zinc, quercetin, or ivermectin and zinc, this pandemic would have been shut down within a month or two of its starting. But phony Fauci, enemy of America, enemy of the American people, enemy of American health, Fauci absolutely destroyed anybody that any physician, frontline physician that said, hey, I'm treating patients with this and it's working. It's an off-label use. Phony Fauci, as I said, hasn't seen a patient in 45 years. But we're relying on this guy to have absolute, unabated decision-making authority. President Trump's mistake was not bringing in 20 to 30 top virologists and top clinicians that were treating the Wuhan virus with success using the drugs that I, the, the cheap therapeutics that I mentioned. Instead of spending $70, 80 $100, $150 per vaccine and $750 for the, the, uh, uh, the, the Pfizer's therapeutic, 
which the government paid, I don't know, they shelled out seven, eight billion for. We could have taken a sliver of that money, given every American, all 350 million Americans, like they do in India, a kit saying you'll take this on a prophylactic basis. And if you get it, here's what you take. No delay. We would not have had a problem. But again, what did we hear? Oh, ivermectin is for horses. It's for animals. Bullshit. It's used by animals, just like there are many drugs that are used both in humans and for animals. Hydroxychloroquine. Oh, it's not safe. Meanwhile, hydroxychloroquine is being used, been used by billions of people around the world. Zithromax, methylprednisolone. These are cheap. These are available. But again, it was big pharma and the big pharma cartel led by Fauci, who are all on the take, always follow the money. So the FBI and Department of Energy confirms what we all knew three years ago. I was right then. I'm right now. We all knew what took place. But saying I told you so really has no meaning. Because for three years, we could have treated this pandemic radically differently, but we didn't. And we allowed millions of Americans under Fauci's auspices to die unnecessarily. When we come back, we'll conduct the International Cigar Litation Ceremony right around the corner. Gurkha has long been the king when it comes to opulent, grandly made cigars. And the new Gurkha Pure Evil more than lives up to that legacy. Gurkha originally launched the Pure Evil 15 years ago as a limited edition cigar. They went back to their blend vault. They tweaked the blend to add more flavor, more complexity. The result is a Gurkha Pure Evil that is loaded with flavor, full body, Full notes of richness. Habano wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, Nicaraguan filler. Don't let the name fool you. The Gurkha Pure Evil is pure cigar pleasure. Gurkha, the world's finest cigars. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy. It's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. Well, I want something different, so I went into my vast humidor here at Humidor 1A, and I selected a cigar that came out to big fanfare, gotta be at least 12, 14 years ago. The line has since grown and very unique at the time. The I'm talking about the nub by Oliva Cigars. And when you think about a nub, you think about something small and squatty, a little nub. And they created a cigar. This happened in the factory. They were actually making some of the cigars. I remember Jose Oliva told me the story. He said, you know, sometimes we would make cigars and uh, for whatever reason, our apprentices, our new rollers, they wouldn't, it wouldn't create, be great. The bottom inch or two wouldn't be properly rolled. So we cut it, people would just smoke it in the factory. And he said, we got a great idea. Along with his brother Gilberto, he said, hey, why don't we create some cigars for people that want the full richness of a big cigar, but that don't have a lot of time to smoke a cigar. So the nub was born. 
And now the nub comes in a multitude of various wrappers. For example, there is the Nub Cameroon, which I'm going to enjoy today. There's the Nub Connecticut, the Nub Maduro, the Nub Double Maduro, the Nub Habano, a Nub Habano Sungrown, the Nub Sumatra. There is the Nub Nuance. There's even the Cane uh, F, which is a very strong cigar nub availability. So a wide variety of these smaller size cigars. And I'm talking cigars that are in the three and a half to maybe four inch length. Squatty ring gauges, 58 to 60, 64. And I've selected the Nub Cameroon that I have in my hand. This is a small baby. Now, the Nub Cameroon comes in four sizes. A 3 by 58, which I have just pulled out. A 4 by 60, so you get that nice magnum, that gordo, but a four-inch length. A 4 by 64 torpedo and a 4 by 66 box-pressed torpedo. Great little cigar. Cameroon wrapper, Indonesian binder, Nicaraguan filler. This is going to be a rich, earthy cigar. A lot of balance. It's got a ton of tobacco in this big girth, this big ring gauge of 58. Beautiful looking cigar on the medium plus category for this uh, Cameroon nub. Suggested retail on the nub. On this particular cigar, you're looking at roughly... About, uh, I would say, six, six and a half dollars, seven dollars, depending on where you go. Nice cigar. This will be a nice 20 minute cigar, maybe a little bit less, maybe a little bit more, but very nice looking. Love the Cameroon wrapper. Gives you a little bit of sweetness, a little bit of spice. Can't wait to get to this squatty little nub Cameroon by Oliva. Cigar altering and highly sharpened leaf exposing device. Self-sharpening, double-edged stainless steel guillotine ready for this little nubby nub. Maximum BTU flame-throwing and heat-producing apparatus. From the Cigar Dave R&D Laboratories, I have got my five-star, five jet butane jet flames arranged in a pentagon shape. Built-in cigar piercer. Nice translucent tank. That's what I will use today. Cigar pre-lightation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. Approval to go throttle up in three, two, one. All right, here comes the cut. Oh, perfect cut on this Nub Cameroon by Oliva. Again, squatty little cigar. I mean, you're talking about about three point, uh, what did I say? Three, about three, three and a quarter inches by 58. Beautiful. This is going to take a little bit of that, that long to toast. But again, when you have a 58 ring gauge or 58, 64, 7 inch, so it's just under one inch in diameter, we're going to take our time. We're going to toast the wrapper first. Taking our time. Okay, now I'm going to toast the filler binder. And I never put the flame directly into the cigar. I'm holding the cigar at a 45 degree angle. Got my litation device upright. Now I'm going to puff and rotate. Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow, a lot of flavor. Nice sweetness from twice. 58 ring gauge. Got to take our time. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. As I blow on the foot of the cigar, perfect. Even amber glow. Mm. 
Mm. Very nice. Definitely getting some a sweet cedary type of note with some spice between the Nicaraguan fillers and certainly the Cameroon wrapper, which has some sweetness, which has some tooth, a little bit of spice. Very pleasant cigar. Mm. Outstanding. It's been a while since I've had a nub. Years. But I have to tell you, mm, nice cigar to gravitate to. Can't go wrong. So my number's lit. When we come back, we'll talk about the enemies of pleasure. I had the pleasure of knowing the late, great Avo Uvesian, the man behind the Avo lineup of cigars. And Avo had a great saying. He would tell me, savor every note. Well, one cigar that I can tell you, you will savor every puff, savor every note, is the Avo Heritage. It was developed for the cigar connoisseur seeking a fuller-bodied cigar. Strength, complexity, impeccable smoothness, nice notes of spice. If you are looking for a cigar that delivers... Full-bodied richness, impeccable smoothness, savor every note of the spice-laden Avo heritage. Available at DavidoffGeneva.com. than to just simply talk about positive stories. Talk about great things happening in the world of cigars or spirits. But unfortunately, the world we live in, the enemies of pleasure, rear their ugly heads on a regular basis. We have been fighting with the FUDA for years. They want to, they deemed cigars in the same act as cigarettes, under the deeming regulations, there's been court cases back and forth. And it looks like, because of the court cases, specifically the Cigar Association of America, et al., which also includes the Premium Cigar Association and Cigar Rights of America, versus the United States Food and Drug Administration, that cigars, premium cigars, may, may not be regulated under the deeming rules, but we never know. However, there is an area of premium cigars and mass market cigars that are very popular, and they are flavored cigars. For example, Swisher Sweets, very popular cigars. Billions are sold. They're sold to adults. Many people enjoy that, either with the the little flavors, uh, or for example, we've got from Drew Estate, They've got many of their cigars that are flavored. Ambrosia, Isla del Sol, the Tobacco Special. Um, You've got the Rocky Patel Java. Acid as well. Acid is infused, so I don't know if that would totally fall under flavored cigars. But the FUDA is attempting to finalize, finalize proposed rules that would ban or limit the sales of flavored cigars and menthol cigarettes by this fall. 
And if they do so, the FUDA has stated there will be a one-year compliance period. So if this fall they rule that flavored cigars would be subject to bans or limitations, which I think is absolutely ridiculous, smoked by adults, not smoked by children, we are smart enough to make our own decisions, but yet we need the bureaucracy we need the nanny state to tell us what we can and cannot do and how we may and may not live our lives. But in the event that the FUDA does enact the ban against flavored cigars this fall, the agency has said that they would issue no-sell marketing orders. To, uh, they won't issue no-sell marketing orders to companies until fall 2024. So essentially, the flavored cigars could be still produced and sold for another year. But you can be sure, lawsuits will be flying from Swisher, from Drew Estate, who is owned by Swisher, by many of the cigarette companies. You can be sure that there will be lawsuits filed all over the place. You know, I find it amazing. We know that marijuana, cannabis, is a drug. Yet, pot is spread everywhere. Here in the Cigar City of Tampa, there are pot dispensaries, of course, as I use air quotes, for medicinal purposes, virtually on every street corner now. And these things aren't like little little uh, uh, strip center type of locations. These are Taj Mahals, five, six, seven, eight thousand square feet built out to the max, like walking into, I've not walked in, but just by the outside, you can see these things are luxurious. It's like walking into a five-star restaurant. And yet, that's a real drug. It's proliferating everywhere, yet cigars we know are not a drug. If you smoke cigars, it doesn't alter your state of mind. I mean, yes, you feel great. It gives you pleasure. But you can go drive a car, and you can get a uh, breathalyzer test, and you're not going to be impaired or inhibited in any way, shape, or form. You can't say that for cannabis, pot, marijuana. But it seems that F, the, not only the FDA, but every state, more smoking bans, more limitations on cigars, higher taxes, but yet cannabis, be my guest. Enjoy. We're not going after cannabis. It's amazing, the, the hypocrisy of it all. Now, the question is whether the FDA is also going to establish nicotine limits for tobacco products. That's not only cigarettes, but all combustible tobacco products, which include cigars. Now, right now, there's no way to test for nicotine. Nobody smokes a cigar. There is nicotine naturally present in cigar tobacco. However, during the fermentation process, when the the, the cigar tobaccos are bulked in giant, big, several hundred pound bulks, you go into the into the fermentation rooms. The smell of ammonia will knock you over. It's ammonia and nicotine that, they, that dissipates. Is there some residual nicotine? Sure, but not enough for anybody to get addicted. And the proof is in the pudding. When was the last time you saw anybody running off an airplane, huddled outside a building to smoke a premium cigar or even a mass market cigar? The answer is never. Cigarette smokers are a different story. They smoke cigarettes for the nicotine. The way that cigarette tobacco is cured 
and fermented retains the nicotine. That uses a flue-curing method where the nicotine is retained. Total opposite of cigars. But there's no way to measure that. There's not a product built that is able to develop that. So the question is, would the FUDA include that for cigars? We'll have to see what the outcome of the lawsuit between the Cigar Association of America, the Cigar Rights of America, the Premium Cigar Association, and the U.S. FDA, how that all turns out, if there's any limits. Hopefully, premium cigars will be excluded. In fact, there is no reason whatsoever to regulate premium cigars. Premium cigars are smoked by adults. Same thing with, with mass market cigars. You can't go into a store and be less than 21 and purchase a cigar. Now, you can go in and vote at 18 into a voting booth, but yet you can't purchase a cigar until you're 21. And these are the same clowns that want to, the Democrats, the same enemies of pleasure, the same nanny staters, these are the same people that want to make buying cigars totally outlawed down the road. That if you're born after a certain date, like we spoke about in the People's Republic of California and New Zealand, they want to do it so that after 2007, you're born after 2007 or 2009, or before that, you are un, or after that, you are unable to purchase cigars or any tobacco. It's called legacy prohibition. That's exactly what they want. So they want to outlaw that, yet they want to lower, these are the same people that want to lower the voting age to 16, to 15, so that they can get more brainwashed liberal youth into a voting booth. Youth that doesn't pay taxes. Youth that the Democrats say are not smart enough to make up their own decisions to buy an alcoholic beverage or buy a cigar, yet no problem with them at 16 voting. It's ridiculous. Right now, California, Massachusetts, the only states with bans on the sale of flavored tobacco products. But there are exemptions. In Massachusetts, cigar lounges may sell flavored cigars. In California, flavored cigars that have a wholesale price of $12 or more may be continued to be sold. There aren't too many cigars that have a wholesale price of $12 or more in that category. Maybe a few acids, but very few. This is nothing more than the nanny states, the people that are telling you, don't drive, don't use your air conditioner, don't eat meat, don't smoke cigars. These are the same people that want to interfere in your daily life. For what reason? Well, one, it's wealth transfer. Number two, because they believe they are smarter than you are. They believe they are the elitist. And trust me when I tell you, we all know Barack Obama still is a cigarette smoker. There is no question. I know uh, someone in the cigar city of Tampa that held a fundraiser for Obama who told me, I know where it was, I know when it was, I know who it was, that told me that Obama snuck off to the balcony to fire up a few cigarettes. Yet he's the one saying, oh, we have to stop cigarette smoking. But yet, it's okay for him. We have to stop flying. We have to stop driving gas-guzzling SUVs. We need to go to electric vehicles. Yet he has no problems flying privately in jets across the world and has no problems with the Secret Service transporting him in gas-guzzling 
armor-plated SUVs. Also has no problem buying a house at sea level, on the water, in Martha's Vineyard. So all the, the crock of BS that he spews about climate change contributing to rising sea levels, it's all a ruse. This is nothing more than a small group of elitists that want to control your life. Perfect example, Nashville, Tennessee. Great city. Great bars on Broadway. Been to many of them that are cigar-friendly. You walk in there, you can light a cigar as long as you're not serving food. Well, as of this past Wednesday, March 1st, that gig is up. Last year, the Nashville City Council voted 30 to 4 in favor of extending the city's smoking ban to age-restricted businesses. Any business that requires patrons to be at least 21 years of age, meaning bars. Nobody complained about that before. You go to a bar, you want to have a drink, you want to have a cigar, no problem. There is an exemption for cigar bars, cigar retail stores, hookah bars, and vapor stores and bars. Those caught in violation of the new law subject to fines up to 50 bucks. People go to bars knowing, number one, it's going to be loud. Number two, there's going to be people drinking. Number three, the floors may be sticky by people spilling their beer. And number four, it could be smoky. Now, some bars can voluntarily say we don't allow smoking. I'm fine with that. That's voluntary. But it seems everywhere we turn around, we have more and more regulation. Regulation that is unnecessary. I guarantee you, if you asked any member of law enforcement and said, all right, you're a Nashville police officer, recite to me all the laws that are, uh, everything that's illegal in Nashville, they wouldn't be able to tell you. I agree with what a number of legislators have proposed. For every new law, you got to strike one off the books. We got loads of laws. We have too many laws. I always said, people say, oh, well, if Congress, you know, what happens if the government shuts down and Congress isn't in session? The best thing that can happen is when lawmakers, Congress is not in session because they can't create any laws that will fuck up this country any further than they already have. Finally, on this edition of the Cigar Dave Show. Once a Nazi bastard, always a Nazi bastard. Perfect example, Volkswagen. And as you know, for many years, they produced cars for the Nazis. Those Nazi bastards. To this day, I will never buy a German car. I have no interest in even visiting Germany, frankly. The only reason I would is to visit the concentration camps as a memorial to those that lost their lives because of the German Nazi bastard Huns. As you can tell, I do not like the German Nazis. Angela Merkel, Nazi bastard. The Germans today, Nazi bastards. They want us to write all the checks to Ukraine, but they're nowhere to be found. Here's a perfect example. Why once a Nazi bastard, always a Nazi bastard. Volkswagen takes the prize. Now, Volkswagen has something what they call their CarNet service. It's similar to GM's OnStar. It enables car owners to track, manage their vehicles remotely through GPS. Volkswagen is is under big-time fire. In late February, 
February 23rd to be specific. Illinois, a kidnapping incident happened near Libertyville, Illinois. A woman drove her 2021 Volkswagen Atlas back to her Libertyville home. A man in a mask got out of a white BMW, also a Nazi Nazi mobile, and tried to steal her car as she went inside to get her other child. The woman fought to protect her two-year-old son, but the attacker knocked her to the ground, stole her car, then drove off. Caused very serious uh, injuries to the woman's extremities, according to Lake Lake County Sheriff's Department. But even despite being heavily injured, she was able to call 911 our cell phone. Sheriff's deputies immediately responded. When they asked what kind of car, they reached out. They called Volkswagen immediately, Volkswagen Carnet. They identified themselves, and they said they needed Volkswagen to track the car, the stolen car, and there was a child, a baby that was in danger that was kidnapped. How did Volkswagen respond? Well, they refused to use the GPS tracking feature to assist the Lake County, Illinois Sheriff's Department, because the owner's GPS subscription had expired. A representative told the police a subscription would have to be reactivated for the automaker to help. Now, can you imagine this? This is law enforcement calling Volkswagen, their car net service, identifying themselves, stating a crime was in place, there is a, a, a youth, a, a baby that is in danger, was kidnapped, we need the GPS coordinates immediately. And these Nazi bastards at Volkswagen said, no, the subscription ended, we'll need a credit card, and you'll have to renew your subscription. The police department went irate. I mean, they were absolutely irate. They were on the phone for 16 minutes, 16 valuable minutes, trying to, and and, and according to Deputy Chief Christopher Cavelli, the detective on with Volkswagen begged the representative, begged the representative saying it's an extremely exigent circumstance. The rep Nazi bastard refused. Once a Nazi bastard, always a Nazi bastard. Volkswagen is a company filled with Nazi bastard to this day. 100% Nazi bastards. I would never buy a Volkswagen or a German car. I don't ride in a German car or a Volkswagen. Period. Not interested. Nazi bastard pricks. Nothing has changed from World War II. And this is a perfect example. So the detective, the deputy, the detective is saying, listen, we need help. The detective had to work out getting a credit card number, call the representative back, pay the $150, and at that time the representative provided the GPS location of the vehicle. Deputy Chief Cavelli described the ordeal as 16 minutes of hell during an interview. Luckily, the child was found safe after being The car was dumped in a parking lot. Uh, Actually, correction. The child was dumped in a parking lot and rescued by a good Samaritan. Samaritan. The Volkswagen that was stolen also found abandoned 
So far, no arrests. 16 minutes of valuable time that the Nazi bastard pricks at Volkswagen prevented by, by, by the, the, the pricks preventing the police authorities in Illinois to track. Now, you think common sense would be had saying, wait a minute, we've got a detective on? No problem. For this, for this instance, we'll, we'll, we'll make an exception. We'll get this. We'll give you the coordinates immediately. But instead, I'm sorry, we need the $150. Otherwise, we will not give you a thing. Achtung! Do you understand? Jawohl, der Kommandant. Well, Volkswagen got such backlash, these Nazi bastards deserved every single second of it. They claimed there was a serious breach of its procedure for collaborating with law enforcement. The Nazi bastards at Volkswagen claimed that the incident was a violation of the procedure it had in place because it uses a third-party vendor to provide the carnet service. The Nazi bastards at Volkswagen stated it was resolving the issue with the parties concerned. Quote, Volkswagen has, has a procedure. Let me do it the way they talk. Volkswagen has a procedure in place with a third-party provider for carnet support services involving emergency requests from law enforcement. Ja, they have executed this process successfully and in previous incidents. Unfortunately, in this instance, there was a serious breach of the process. We are addressing the situation with the parties involved, according to a spokesman. I wonder if he said, they will immediately send them to a gas chamber where they should be incinerated permanently. Once a Nazi bastard, always a Nazi bastard. I'm not buying it. I don't care if you had a third party, a fourth party, a 100th party. If that is your policy... Every representative trained for Volkswagen Carnet should know all the rules go out the window when there is a law enforcement call. We don't care if they're a subscriber, they're not a subscriber. If you verify their identity, then immediately work with law enforcement whether there is a subscription in place or not. Very simple game. And to the Nazi bastard Volkswagen representative, how about using common sense? I don't care what the book says. Use common sense. Again, a moron, a schmuck that has no common sense that said, nope, we have to resubs- you have to subscribe again, need 150. How about using common sense? I don't give a shit what the manuals, even if they said, nope, you don't cooperate with law enforcement. You say, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. I hate the Germans. When I talk about Germans, I'm talking about, not Germans here, Germans in Germany. They are still Nazi bastards in my view. They were Nazi bastards in the 1930s and 40s. They're Nazi bastard today in the 21st century. I don't like them. I don't trust them. Here's another perfect example of those Nazi bastards, how stupid they are. Lufthansa, A330, flight from Austin, Texas to Frankfurt, I believe, earlier this week. While traversing through Tennessee at 37,000 feet, undergoes extreme turbulence, massive turbulence. I just saw pictures yesterday on Twitter. I'm talking extreme turbulence. I mean, you there were the, the cabin looked like 
It had been in a, uh, it, it bombed. Food all over the place. There were cracks in the ceiling. Horrible. Absolutely atrocious. Seven or eight people injured. Easily avoidable. None of the other airplanes in the area had a problem. Why? Because the other airline dispatchers and pilots zigzag and deviated away from the weather. These Nazi bastard Luftwaffe pilots went right into convective activity. They went right into a thunderstorm. And for four minutes, the plane, you never go into that. That is rule number one. Stay away 20 miles away from a thunderstorm. Common sense. But European pilots are stupid. They are not as smart as American pilots. I will never. I will always take an American carrier over a European carrier. Number one, they're more reliable. Number two, the service is better. Number three, the pilots are better trained. Perfect example. These pilots, Lufthansa pilots, went right through convective activity. Dumb, you don't do that. Then, and I'm looking at the flight-aware track right now. After the flight attendants called, I'm sure, the... the, the, the the flight deck and told the captain, we've got seven, eight injured people. Did he immediately declare an emergency and deviate towards the closest airport to get medical attention? Of course not, because they're dumb Nazi bastards. They're dumb European pilots. British Airways, Lufthansa, Air France, they're all in the same category. They're lousy pilots. They don't use common sense. And I know this for a fact because I have numerous friends at various airlines that train European pilots in their simulators, and they all tell me the same thing. Europeans are always looking at the book. Let's get the checklist out. Your wing could be falling off. You have smoke in the cockpit. Get the fucking airplane on the ground. Nope. The Europeans? Ah, oui, oui, the French pilots? The Nazi best of pilots? Hello, the British pilots? They will all break out the checklist, and they'll say, well, let's circle, mate. Let's circle for 25 minutes and figure out what's going on instead of landing the damn airplane and saving lives. You recall there was a Swiss Air MD-11. Smoke in the cabin. Smoke in the cockpit. Crashed off of, just off the coast, I think if I want to say New Brunswick, Newfoundland. This has got to be 25 plus years ago. The second they detected smoke in the cabin, they should have immediately declared an emergency, landed. Had they done that, they would have been on the ground in 10, 12 minutes. Instead, what did these Swiss pilots do? They went out over the Atlantic, did not declare an emergency, and said they needed to circle while they were figuring out the problem. So they circled for 25, 30 minutes until basically a fire went on board, smoke, and the plane went down, killing all aboard. That's the difference between being an alpha male using common sense and being a dumb, wussified beta European that follows a checklist. There's a reason why the United States of America has had to bail out the Europeans not once, but twice in World War I and World War II. And oh, by the way, now it seems we're getting involved in World War III. The Europeans can't get out of their own damn way. So Lufthansa, perfect example. Lufthansa, this plane goes through at 37,000 feet to Tennessee, through Tennessee. People are just scattered all about the cabin. Food everywhere, trays everywhere. Looks like a war zone. The pilot does not declare an immediate emergency. Instead, goes on another 45, 50 minutes to Pennsylvania, to southwest Pennsylvania, and then clearly 
the flight uh, the, the, the 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 flight attendants must have said, "Hey, it's a disaster back here. You you got to land. We got in serious injuries." And then they go instead of going directly to Dulles, which is where they eventually landed, they turn west. They go west for about 20 minutes and then do a loop and come back. Now, I don't know if they were thinking of going to Detroit, going to Cincinnati. Here's a real simple deal. When you have turbulence like that and people injured, get the airplane on the ground. Now, I understand if you say, well, we want to do it where we've got Lufthansa personnel. I'm sorry. Get the airplane on the ground. Medical care is needed. That's what an American plane would do. When I say American, I'm not talking about American Airlines. American pilots. European pilots are in a different mode. Another example. British Airways, 747. Over, at least over 10 years ago. Leaving LAX, going to London. A couple of minutes after departure, they lose an engine on the 747. Instead of immediately declaring an emergency and flying and landing right back to Los Angeles, what did the pilots do? They continued on. They called their dispatcher in at British Airways operations, and they decided, you can continue to go on three engines. American Airlines, and again, when I'm talking about American Airlines, I'm not talking about American Airlines, the company, talking companies that operate in the United States. For example, Delta, United, Southwest, uh, 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 American. In the United States, you have an engine, loss of engine. That is an emergency. You land the airplane. They crossed the entire Atlantic Ocean, but they had to fly lower and burned up so much fuel, they landed short. They had to land, I think, in, in Ireland and refuel to go to, to England. And at the time, there was a big... You know, it was a, a big deal. And the FAA investigated. The FAA fined British Airways, but that fine, I think, was waived. But the mere fact that the pilots, the captain on board didn't say, I don't give a shit what our dispatcher is saying. We got one engine out of four that is not working. Yeah, we can do it, but we're not doing it. It's called good aero, uh, 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 aviation decision-making. Good aeronautical decision-making. Good aeronautical decision-making tells me I'm not going to fly into a thunderstorm. I'm going to deviate way left, way right, but I'm going to make sure I go around it. Pilots of the Lufthansa A330 from Austin to Frankfurt didn't. And once they did, and there were injuries, should have immediately landed at the closest airport. Immediately, whether that was uh, Pittsburgh, whether it's in West Virginia, wherever. Get that airplane on the ground, get people, passengers, medical attention. That was their second mistake. And this just reinforces what Volkswagen did is not, we see this all the time from German, from French, from, from British, whether it's pilots, whether it is companies, they don't have the same common sense as Americans. It's that simple. And how dare Volkswagen that employee should have been fired. And again, if this is your procedure, according to the Volkswagen spokesperson, they're always supposed to deal with law enforcement. Well, clearly that would be in training. And I guarantee you it wasn't in their training. And I guarantee you that's why the employee's not going to get fired because they never discussed it, never brought it up. Volkswagen proves once again, once a Nazi bastard, always a Nazi bastard. Don't really care whether you agree or not. I don't like the Germans. I never did like the Germans. I never will. 
My grandfather's never bought German cars. My father, I will never buy a German car, period. I want to buy American. I don't want to buy German. I don't want to buy Chinese. I want to buy proudly made in the United States of America. That simple. Where has common sense gone? It is fleeting. It is pathetic. Thankfully, that child wasn't killed. That child wasn't harmed. But Volkswagen, by crapping around for 16 minutes plus, put the life of a young child in danger. Stupid, dumb Nazi bastards. As always, if I offended you and you're a Nazi bastard, screw you. I don't care. Make sure that you give us a five-star review. Subscribe to the Cigar Dave Show podcast. So whenever we have an episode, we may have an episode coming up middle of next week unexpectedly. You never know. Make sure that you go ahead and that you subscribe so you always know what exactly is going on. Cigar Dave the General saying, May your humidor always be full. Mayor Cutter always be sharp. Mayor Ashby, extra, extra long. Semper Delictatio, always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. Make America great again. Save America. Screw Lufthansa. Screw Volkswagen and the Nazi bastard Huns. <laughs>